This is Agents Influence Podcast. There are two systems working, which you're unaware of. I call it the Matrix, the buyer-seller Matrix. And just like the film The Matrix, you're trapped in it, but you don't actually know you're in it. But when you're shown it, you're screwed, because you either have to go along with it, or you've got to fight it. Fighting it is uncomfortable, so most people don't want to fight it, and they just... And that's why people hate me, because when I show them this matrix, they look at me and they go, Oh my goodness, that's exactly what happens to us every day. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently. Change your agency. Change your finances. Change your family. And in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Agents Influence Podcast, conversations with me, Jason Cass. Um, And I'm really excited to be here. It's Friday morning. It's uh, October 23rd. I am, as you know, standing as loyal listeners. I'm standing here in... uh, in Illinois, in Edwardsville, Illinois, on the other side of the river. And today we have a guest that St. Louis may be on the other side of the river, but this guy is on the other side of what we like to call the pond, on the other side of the old Atlantic. And he's over there in the UK. And I would like to introduce to you, Mr. Benjamin Dennehy. Benjamin, how are you, sir? Uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for having, having me on. And it's always good to talk to our American And friends. tell them what your title is. So I am the UK's most hated sales trainer. I love it. Now, loyal listeners right there, is this not going to be good? I'm telling <laughs> you. Benjamin, right before we get on with uh, with the show, I got to do a couple things. AI podcast. You got to keep in mind that the AI podcast network is growing. Okay, It's growing and it's growing large. We've now have brought on the new podcast that you've probably been listening to, which is Age of Independence. Not independence, independence with an I, because that represents the independent insurance agent. And that's what it is. And it's hosted by the one and only Caitlin Hagar. Caitlin works with Quantum Assurance, um, and she does, is in charge of their educational development um, and stri- uh, strategy, and I believe marketing. I'm not exactly sure with her with her um, total title there, but I know that she's awesome. You know that you've seen her on a lot of podcasts, and we invited her on a couple months back to say, hey, do you want your own show? And she has been electric since. I'm telling you right now, I've already listened to the first seven shows. Um, you may not even listen to seven shows, but I have. And some of the results we're getting back on the first two or three that we sent it out to the people who we have listened to to give us our thought um, actually uh, was very, very, got a lot of great feedback. So there's a lot of really, really good things that are going on. And I just want you to know about the AI Podcast Network because it's Josh Lipstone, which is Explain This Book to Me. There is this podcast, which is Agents Influence. Then there's Agency Intelligence. And now we have um, the Age of Independence with uh, Caitlin Agar. And I'm just excited about it. So be please be sure to check those out. Also be sure to check out wegotyourpodcast.com. Um, that's where we put together podcasts for a lot of people out there. So in the meantime, I am going to uh, get on with this and I want to just introduce once again, my guest, Benjamin. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. All right. So, hey, Benjamin, now you guys, uh, the, the reason I got you here is mm. because um, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited about finding different people out there and finding, I want to bring the point of agents influence podcast is to bring people from the outside, have a conversation with them outside the insurance industry to help us relate to what's going on and the similarities of, of what is going on in other industries and not you don't specifically help any industries. It sounds like you are a sales trainer. Mm. Now, before I turn this over to you, Benjamin, I have to let you guys loyal listeners know I'm looking at him. Okay. Um, right now, the doing a little look, and he's on video, and he is wearing a red hat that we would think would be a ma- uh, what a MAGA hat, a make Make America Great Again hat, but no, it's actually Make Salesman Great Again hat. Okay, he's wearing a flannel type material shirt, and then he's also got some red suspenders going on. Looks like he might have a mullet. I, I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. He's got long hair. No, he doesn't. He's got long hair. Lockdown curls. 
Yeah, yeah, no, a lot of curls. But no, he's uh, he looks good. I just want you guys to put. What'd you say? I said he looks like a redneck. (laughs) You actually do. That's yeah, I know. I drive a pickup truck too, just to (laughs) add insult to injury. Oh, this is great! I tell you, go look him up right now if you're uh, if you're out there and you're sitting in front of your computer. Where can they find you while we're in the middle of this podcast? Where where's some of your stuff out there? The best Benjamin? place to find me is there to LinkedIn is where I hang out. That's where I do all my. I don't use many other forms of social media. Or I've got a YouTube channel, which is the UK's most hated sales trainer. Loads of videos on there of me cold calling people live, and I'm filming it, and all the reactions and all the chaos that goes with it, and it's a very popular channel for some reason. It, it, it is a very popular channel. That's why I wanted to bring you on here, man. You are a hoot. You do the things you uh, you do the things that I do. I mean, it's just like, hey, if I can get some attention, not because I'm trying to get attention, I need to get someone to listen to me because mm. I think I can help them. You yeah. know what I mean? It's all, exactly. whatever I gotta do is what I'm gonna do. But also, sometimes, man, you know, people think that what I do, and I think people do with you, they sometimes think it's an act. And it may have started that way, but actually it just becomes who we are, right? It just becomes we're trying to help people. And no matter what form or fashion we have to do, it is what we do, right? Completely agree. Uh, I'm a method actor, I suppose. Um, And I know that there's a a saying in the world of sales, people by people, but it's the biggest crock of crap. You could say shit, yes. It's a misquote because it's people by people like them. And that's completely different. And so what it means is that in order to be good at sales, you have to be good at basically replicating and mirroring the person you're selling to and giving them the personality they need to feel comfortable to buy. And this is why most salespeople think it's their winning personality because they only remember 20% of people that buy from them because they're selling to 20% of the people that have their personality. They forget the 8 and 10 that thought they were total knobs. That doesn't register. Yeah, right. you know, it's my person. They bought because they love me. But what about the other eight? Oh, well, it was just wrong timing. Uh, they didn't have budget. Uh, they A uh, hundred and one excuses. Was it your fault? No, 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 no. I've got a great person in Annie, mate. Oh. <laughs> so true, dude. It is. So true. Benjamin, before we get on, because we yeah. really haven't even started until we ask these questions, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? I'm a Droid. I hate Apple. Yes, yes, yes. Now you guys see why I brought him on. I'm a droid user. Uh, I'm with you too. That's good. That's good. Hey, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Oh, that's a good question. Do I hate to lose? Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? I would love to win more than hate to lose if I had to pick one. I love it. I don't mind losing as long as there's a lesson. That's right. That's right. Learning without a lesson though sucks, doesn't it? stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, or, or or being an average salesman, as I I, I like to pepper it up as. Uh, and so, luck or skill, two things in the world that got you to where you skill. are. What, you would say skill more skill. than luck. Oh, definitely. I think luck is preparation meeting opportunity. Right, That's luck. Um, there there is the odd time where you could just somehow randomly fall in front of the right person at the right time. But that's very rare. And if you're prospecting, you can't say it's luck. Well, because I was bloody trying to find you. So it's hardly <laughs> luck. It's true. It's true. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. No, I think, elements, I think if you get your first big win, that's luck. It gives you that motivation to keep going. But no, it is skill. Mm-hmm. 99% of the time, it's skill. Or lack of in most salesmen's cases. That's true. That's very, very true. So... Before we get into this, I want I want the audience to relate to you. Take okay. us back to, you know, high school, college, whatever. Bring us forward to how you got to where you are right now, okay. and end it by telling us the type of truck that you do drive. So take us back. Right. Where were you born? So, um, so I'm from New Zealand originally. Um, so you, oh, wow. yes, yeah, so you probably tell from my accent it's not very English. Although I might sound English to you because I've been here 20 years. Um, you don't know the difference. It all right. sounds the same. Right. See, over here, I still sound Antipodean. And I go home, I sound like an Englishman. So I'm actually a man without a country. So um, so I basically, I, I read law. I trained as what you call an attorney uh, in America, a barrister in the English system. So I was going to be the guy in the wig and the gown arguing why my client didn't do it. So that was going to be my life. Um, but I decided to do some travel before I spent my life representing criminals. Um 
And I decided to go to England. It's where everyone from the Commonwealth goes. Your first big trip, you go to England, the motherland. We all come from England. Yeah, we're all from England. Yeah, we are, right. That's not our big trip, though. We don't go to the motherland. But yes, you guys go to the motherland. It makes sense. If you're an Australian, a Kiwi or whatever, you you go over to England. You've all got relatives. You can all get a passport because someone's got a grandparent. And <laughs> yeah, I know it's a small little family, the uh, English Commonwealth. Um, and you go over, you speak the same language, you roughly, you all love rugby. Uh, and so you're fine. So I, I, I just wanted to travel around and have fun as a young man. And I, I, I did. And I ended up spending four years just working in pubs and bars, saving money, travel around Europe, travel around oh, India. Go oh, back, wow. save up. So I had a great time. And then I finally thought I better go home. Time to grow up. Time to be a lawyer. Get back home to New Zealand and thought, I can't live here. <laughs> what was your reason? Why can't you live there? Because it's so boring. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, it is beautiful. I'm trying to think of somewhere in equivalent in America. I suppose it'd be like moving to Wichita in Kansas or something <laughs> like that. You know? Uh, it's just... <laughs> Oh my god! We oh, killers. So uh, it's not even that exciting. So and then what happens is, uh, so I figure, what am I going to do? I think well, I'll go back to England. England's exciting. It's the hub of empire. It's right next to Europe. Everything you know, everything happens right. in England. So then I needed to get a job because I, I couldn't practice law because I hadn't done five years post qualifying. They wanted me to train more, and I thought I ain't, I don't want to study more. You know, so I studied to do the English bar. So I need a job. And I said, whatever, this is, that's, that's the opening line. That, that is the sentence that starts every sales career. I need a job. <laughs> and, 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 and that's it. You're in. And because I could wear a suit, I could speak quite well, and I didn't dribble in the interview, they pretty much said, you're qualified. <laughs> that's it. I was now a salesman. Oh, gosh, I wish... I'm telling you this right now, loyal listeners. I wish I would have done this one as a as a live because he's just an animated hoot. I mean, on on this side, I'm seeing him in video, and I mean his his get up, his dress, his red Trump make America great, except make salesmen great again. It's just hilarious. So, loyal listeners, I know I've been laughing a lot. I'm trying not to, but it's just absolutely hilarious. And I love I love your enthusiasm. So. So you said, I need a job. I need a job. And that's the, the yeah, yeah. It's like uh, God said, let there be light. That's how all sales careers start and that spark. And so true. It is, I know. It's shocking, isn't it? And this, this is why most salesmen are crap because 85% don't actually want to be there. What happened is, <laughs> what happened is, is they got in there, right? And, and they realized after a couple of years, I'm stuck. I got no transferable skill. I got nothing really to offer anybody else. So now all I got to do is before I get fired, look for a new job and just say I'm hoping to learn new things and experience yeah. new experiences. And so you from job to job. And your CVC smashed it for the first 12 months. And after that, it's a bit blurry. Um... And people oh. hire you because no one knows what's a good sales. But again, he looks well, he interviews okay, and he doesn't dribble. You must be okay. And no one leaves a sales job. So, no. So, 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 so that's what I was doing. And, and I started to realize very quickly. So I, I, got, I, I cut my teeth doing prospecting. So I started off in recruitment. Uh, okay. I set a company record. First six months, didn't recruit a person. I was rubbish. <laughs> absolutely terrible no one told me i didn't realize it was a sales job turns out it's one of the worst sales jobs trying to squick square pegs into round holes and they Um, kept you for six months yeah and actually they gave me a week's notice they said look you got one week and you're out and 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 i thought well this is this is this is not good uh because no skill you're a qualified lawyer but you have no skills yeah and yeah and so ah so anyway, so I, in that last week, I pulled my finger and I hit the phones. And what happened was, is I got a lot of appointments. And so what they said to me is, keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about recruiting people. Why don't you just, just do that? So I did again. And the next week I did well. And they said, okay, new job, wow. new job for you. You just get appointments. 
That's it. You you suck at recruiting. I think that goodness. You know, it wasn't just me then who thought this. So just get meetings. And ironically, about three weeks later, I got poached by a company that specializes in setting appointments. I uh, know. What are the odds? Yeah. Oh, my God. And that's how I got. And this was in the city of London. And so I started off setting appointments for advertising executives with brands, brand directors, marketing directors. So when all the big companies, all the same brands you have in the US over here, Gosh. Cokes, Pepsis, Frito-Lay. Yep. So my job was to set up appointments for advertising agencies. And I was quite good at it. And then after a year of that, I thought, well, why am I working for a company? Why don't I find my own client right. and, and, and sell the service direct? So that was 2006. So that's, that's, that's when I first went self-employed, you would say, working for myself. And I did. I'd phone up, ironically, I'd get a meeting with an advertising agency and convince them to use me to get their appointments. And so I was doing that. And I, I was good. Got meetings all the time. Didn't know why I was good, but I was good. Yeah. And I started to go on meetings with these advertising executives. I said, can I see what you do in these meetings? Because I get oh, a lot wow. of meetings, but you don't win a lot of business. And I don't get it. So I went on these meetings, and, and that's when it dawned on me. Nobody had a bloody clue what they were doing. <laughs> and I'd sit there, and every meeting was the same. They'd turn up with a laptop, and they'd have a presentation ready. And it was, this is our agency. This is when it was created. This is our ethos. This is what drives and inspires us to create. These are some of our clients. And here's some examples of case studies. Every meeting. And Every then meeting. the marketing director would say, well, that's all very interesting. Have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? How long would that take? What would you suggest? Firing questions and they'd be answering. And the meeting would end one of three ways. Well, there's nothing for you now, but it's been good meeting you. Thank you. There would be, I think there could be something in the near future we'd like to get you in on. So let's definitely keep in touch. Or third one, it's actually, we got a brief. Would you be willing to take a look at it? And all of those were good outcomes. And I remember saying, why is this a good outcome? Oh, well, well first of all, they liked us. I said, yeah, but they're not giving us any money. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. But this is how it's done, Benjamin. It's all about building relationships. Yeah, I've been doing this for 20 years. I know what it's like. We've got our foot in the door. And it would be, oh yeah, okay. And what about the brief? That must be good, right? So how much do you charge them to do? Oh no, we do that for free. So you're gonna go away and you're gonna figure out how to fix their problem for free, yeah. Okay, well, you're the advertising executive, so you must know what you're talking about. And I remember thinking, this is all wrong. And so um, one of my clients, funny enough, said to me, it was an advertising executive. He said, you're very good at what you do. He goes, why are you good at it? He goes, we've hired people in the past. We've outsourced all of this sort of stuff. And they've always been pretty crap, but you're good. I said, I have no idea. I said, but I do know a lot of things that seem to work and I don't know why. And he goes, what? I go, well, the more I struggle and the more I pretend I don't know what I'm doing, for some reason, people help me. I said, I don't know why. <laughs> I said, I put on a fake stutter a lot. And, you know, and I realized no one can hang up on a man with a stutter. Um Yes. Yeah, I know. It's it's incredible. Actually, I had to stop doing the stutter because it actually started to become part of my speech pattern. You know, so it was one of those things. It's like method acting. I was turning into the person I was pretending to be. Method acting. I just remember this guy said to me, if you could figure out why what you do works, because you'll make a lot of money because you'd be able to teach other people how to do it. And that's what started the journey to figure out how selling works. And then I got introduced to transactional analysis, the psychiatry of understanding how we feel, think and move between these states. Um, I got introduced to a great sales trainer who taught me a lot. Um, and I decided to do something. I decided to commit my life to becoming a salesman. Not, I'm not in this regret forcefully, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And I thought if I treat it like law, and I realized the similarities were the same. Everybody's lying. I figured that out. Everybody's lying in the whole process. Nobody's telling the truth. So my job is to get to the truth. And once I find the truth, I think going to find out, can you afford the solution? And once I know you can afford the solution, then I'll show you what I have. Oh, that's the easiest way. And that's all I started doing. And I just started learning psychiatry like never answering a question until i know why it's asked mm -hmm. i work 
I mean, I've been rabbiting on. Do you want me to shut up? Because I've realized. I mean, no, no, no. I love this. It's just, you're on. This is why I got you across the pod, brother. No, and I love that. So I love these little things that that uh, that that you keep saying and mentioning. Um, keep keep going. I'm I'm really really kind of loving loving this stuff. So you, I mean, because you you had to go before you went on your own. You had to figure out like I am good, but why, right? And you started yeah. getting into psychology, and I I want to hear more about how you, you discovered realize- this. You realize that selling is a process and that there are, I figure I, I, I was, I was shown this by this great guy. There are two systems working, which you're unaware of. I call it the matrix, the buyer seller matrix. And just like the film, the matrix, you're trapped in it, but you don't actually know you're in it. But when you're shown it, True. when you're shown it, you're screwed because you either have to go along with it or you got to fight it and fighting it is uncomfortable. So most people don't want to fight it and they just, and that's why people hate me, because when I show them this matrix, they look at me, they go, oh, my goodness. It's exactly what happens to us every day. I go, I know. And I go, even if you don't fix it, even if you don't change or do anything I teach, you're going to see it happening to you now. And it's like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. But to get out of the matrix is hard because it's an emotional thing. And so what I realized is, is that buyers, the first thing they'll do to is they'll not tell you the truth. We all lie. To salesmen, I lie to them. You lie to them about everything. There's nothing a prospect can say that's not off ground. And where did you learn it's okay to lie in the sales process? This is what I started to figure out. Where did you learn it's okay to lie? Do you know? Yeah. No, I, I have no idea where I figured out where it was okay. You weren't born this way, so it had to. It was learned behavior. So your whole life. It's you true. Watched, it's true. Exactly. So your whole life, you watched mum and dad lie as salesmen. And you were taught, programmed, that it's okay to lie in the cell and still go to heaven. It's the one thing that you're allowed to do. And so think about it. You would have been about seven years old. You were sitting at home one one evening. Mum's there, dad's there, brothers, sisters, all around the dinner table. And the phone rang. And your dad answered. He goes, hello? Nah, she's not in. And he hung up. Who was that, dad? He goes, sales call. Wow, true. So you were taught that. You know, you'd be in the shop with dad looking at the DVD player and he's asking the guy all the questions. Does it do this? Does it do that? Does it have a timer? La, 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 la. And the salesman's answering your dad. says, well, look, I am interested. I, I've just got to discuss it with the wife, but I'll be back. And you get out. We're going to get it, dad. Nah, too expensive. It's true. But you wow. said to that guy, we were going to, no, no, you just say that to a salesman to get rid of him. So you learn from a very young age, it's okay to lie. And when I figured this out, when I realized that everybody lies, I thought, well, this is easy. It just means anything a prospect says to me, I challenge. So if a CEO or a president of a company says to me, Benjamin, I make decisions around here, I'm very nurturing. So, you know, that makes sense. I hear that all the time. Can I ask you a question, though? In my experience, most companies, CEOs don't unilaterally make decisions on buying sales training. So are you telling me you wouldn't have to discuss this with anyone, not even your finance director? And then they go, well, no, obviously I'm going to run it past him. I had a feeling. So if he says no and you say yes, who wins? And then they go, well, I do. I go, well, no, I know ultimately you will, but are you going to ignore the advice of your highly paid FD? Well, probably not. So would it not make sense when we have our meeting if the two of you were there? I like that. It's all about control. And what I realize is salesmen never have control. They're always, again, they 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 defer to prospects. They were brought another rule. The man with the gold makes the rules. It's not true. For somewhere along the line, salesmen and people were taught that if you've got the money, you've got the power. But I realized very quickly, your money's useless if no one's willing to take it. True. Yeah? So if I had the cure for COVID, right, and you're Bill Gates, and he says, I'll give you a billion dollars for it, I say, yeah, but I think you're a dick. <laughs> I don't want you to survive this. Sorry. Okay, I'll give you two billion. Nah, still don't like you. Three, but nah. And suddenly that guy's power, does he pay someone to kill me and nick it? It has no control. And salespeople, I realize they suffer from attachment syndrome. They're attached to the outcome. Got to get a meeting. Got to get an appointment. Got to get a sale. And as the Buddhists say, the root of all misery is attachment. So I'm just detached. Whenever I get in front of a CEO, I don't care about selling to them. I care about getting to the truth, 
Do you have a problem? Do you recognize you have a problem? Do you want to fix that problem? How much is it costing you? And does that cost outweigh or underweigh the price you're going to have to pay me to fix it? If I get those all lined up, the odds are you're going to buy. It's not that yeah. hard. The hardest thing is not trying to be liked. And this is the other thing. Most salesmen believe that you need to be liked to sell, which is not true. Do you have to like your lawyer to believe they can do a good job? Not really, no. no. Do you have to like your accountant? It helps, but it's not, a nece okay, it's not necessary. Do you actually have to like your president to believe he can do a good job? <laughs> Woo! Hello, uh, everybody. If you remember, it's October 23rd. Here in England. Go Trump. We want you to win. Because he's good for Brexit. He's good for Brexit. Yeah, That's so true. Selfish foreign policy reasons we want Trump back. Hey, we have our own selfish reasons as well. Um, and 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 uh, and and I want to talk about that before we leave. And I want to get that that piece of society and how you guys think about. But this is great. Let me let me let yeah. me just ask me some me, questions. Otherwise, no, I want no, I want to get some more of this from you because I don't know if you realize how fitting this is. A loyal listeners, he was very straight up with me that he doesn't listen to my podcast. I'm the one who approached him out of nowhere, like three month, three weeks, four weeks ago, and said, "Hey, I want you to come on." And he actually even said, "Why? <laughs> Why would you want to have me on?" I'm like, dude. Look Look at your YouTube channel, all this stuff. You got to come on. The Americans need to see you. So I think what is important, though, to realize about this mm. is, Benjamin, we at Agents Influence are here to push the envelope. Mm. Our, our, my main motto here that my loyal listeners know for a long time is, is to quit accepting the norms. Mm. Quit listening to what this agency owner or this business owner has said, hey, this is the way it works and this is the way it's done. Because I have found out that way more than 50% of the time, if I challenge what that person says, I usually can prove them wrong. And it doesn't mean that they were wrong, but I can actually take what their idea was and make it correct. Or because it didn't work 30 years ago, doesn't mean that it should that that it still can't work now. Um, and so that's what we base who we are as loyal listeners and as this podcast. Everything you're saying is that. Okay. Everything you're saying is, why are you idiots doing it this way? There is a better way. And I love your thought was, is I'm going to make sales great again because all you salespeople are a bunch of idiots that don't know what the hell you're doing. Let me ask you a question yeah. real quick because I want to get back to some more of that stuff. What were you doing at the beginning? What were you doing at the beginning when you couldn't recruit anybody? that was so bad. But then when you started setting appointments and then you went on the appointments, is it because you saw how bad they were doing that then really made you start becoming good? Does that make sense? I think so. I think the greatest motivator, and this is why this is why people hate me too. And every company I get in front of, they go, oh, that wouldn't happen. And I tell their salespeople that every salesman should be 100% commission. You shouldn't pay them a basic at all. Because love it. If Why? You pay, look, think of it this way: a, a salesman is a hunter gatherer. If you give a hunter a burger every night he comes home, having not killed anything, he gets fat and lazy and useless. You know, why would I get better at tracking? Why would I learn to walk quieter? Why would I make better spears? Why would I not figure out how to get closer to the animal? Why would I not go after bigger game instead of smaller game because it will feed more? So what you do is you create laziness. And so I think you should all be a hundred percent commission. And I've been 100% commissioned since 2006. I've had to find every penny that I've earned. So mm -hmm. I have no sympathy for salesmen that get $40,000 a year, basic, a car, medical insurance, and then they bitch about the leads. Like, oh, my God. You are hitting it right on, yeah? brother. And it's <sighs> just, I'll tell you what, do you know how good you'll be when I tell you we're no longer paying you? And that's what happened to me. When they told me, Benjamin, you've got one week or you're out of a job, suddenly I stopped caring about my feelings and how I felt. And I thought, I've got to start getting in front of people. This is all, I've just got to do it. And so then I, I stopped getting, I was no longer attached to the outcome. I just said, fuck the outcome. I'm just going to try and get an appointment, but I'm going to try and do it well. I'm going to try and figure out how to get there rather than whether or not I get there. Because if I do it well, just like a good lawyer or a good surgeon, they're not thinking of what the jury's going to do in two weeks' time. The surgeon's not thinking about sewing up the patient on cut one. They're in the moment, they're present, and they follow a process. If you follow a process religiously and get really good at it, the minutia, the boring stuff, if you ask the surgeon, you know, why do your patients not die? He wouldn't go, well, you know, it's 
bit of luck in my personality. <laughs> he would know exactly the well, reason why, because of the process I use. I'll tell you why, he goes, because I've done those cuts over a thousand times. I know how to deep, how long to go on every single cut. I could do it backwards if I had to. I know it, just like any professional knows everything. It's hours of training and practice just to do the fundamentally dull things well. And if you do everything well, whatever happens at the end, even you may not like the outcome, it's probably the right outcome. Stunning right. is the same. So I just follow a strict process. And so without getting from a high level, um, because you're going to come back on another podcast and we're going to, and we're going to get in this. I also want to bring you into my mastermind. I got a private mastermind that these guys are high excelling gals and, and guys that are business owners that have understood this stuff. It's the reason why they're, that's the, the cream of the crop. And I need to bring you in front of them because you will blow their mind. And the reason, once again, it goes back to it. You're doing nothing but questioning what people are doing. And we're, and we're assuming that what people are doing are successful at it until you get into the room with them and you realize, God damn guys, you're not really good at this. You're only getting two out of 10, but yeah, they're multi-million dollar cases. So they cover, they, they cover, right. But it's, but it doesn't, but why are we getting five to 10 of those? Let's, oh, cause you don't do this and this. Any more of these other things that you're kind of thinking of, of your golden rules, that's not true. Or I love your thing that people think that you have to be liked. No. I want to stop. Think, think of a couple other things because I like that real quick. Something happened to my sales game. I've been at it, going at it 18, 18 years now. Yeah. Okay. And about two two years ago, I met a guy by the name of David Carruthers who who kind of helped me go after bigger game. Yeah. This sounds weird, but I have said this to myself many times over beers on my back porch looking over the lake thinking to myself this, and you just hit it right on top of it. I quit caring about my feelings mm. and their feelings and started realizing that I had something that they needed. And when I got this conviction in my brain, it's not that I'm an asshole. It's just that if you don't understand, I'm, I'm going to do a lot of, of trying to help you. I've done the research. I know who you are. I know the mistakes that you're making. I know the, how I, my services, we don't do a lot. We're very thin, uh, very focused, yeah. but you fit right into who I am. And it becomes differently. Well, well, I'm going to create this relationship. I'm going to tell this person, nah, it's not, no, I, I have something that you need. Like you need yeah. me and I really don't give a shit about your feelings or not. I mean, we're going to do this. When I started thinking that way, badoosh, started writing bigger accounts. You know what I mean? Started yeah. not caring about those little things. And when you said that, that was really, really well, huge. Is that something you find a lot? Oh, it is. So, so I, I work with a, um, I work with about 40 currency traders in the city of London. It's a big company. Okay. And getting them over the mindset that because they deal with, you know, very rich, powerful people, getting them to realize, well, actually, the thing is, though, you're the expert and they're not. And the reason they're talking to you is they may or may not have a problem. We don't know that yet. But the, the fact of the matter is this. So when I get in front of a CEO, I don't get to matter how big the business is. All I'm thinking is this. You should be bloody grateful I'm giving up my time to come and talk to you. Because if you've got a problem I can yes. fix, this is probably the best day for you. And this is how a top lawyer thinks or a top surgeon thinks. They don't, I'm so yep. glad there's a criminal in front of me so I can show them how brilliant <laughs> I am. And I can talk to them about my Harvard years and my Yale club. And I can demonstrate my expertise. It's like, no. I've been doing this 30 years. You're screwed. I may have the solution. And in order to get to my solution, you're going to have to pay me a lot of money. If you can't pay me, go to the public defender. There's Dude, options. And so that's exactly that right, brother. Set across that I'm not there to justify my existence. I know what I do is good. The question is, are you qualified to be my next customer? And, and so the mindset is, I'd love your business but I'd actually, I actually don't need it. And there. That, that is the mindset of a professional. That's how a lawyer acts. That's how a surgeon acts. That's how a professional sportsman thinks. Mm -hmm. But someone who's in sales with all this proprietary knowledge about an industry, I'm just so grateful. Thank you for giving me the time to talk to you. Please let me vomit on you for the next 20 minutes, and hopefully you'll like me enough to give me a chance. Mm. Pathetic. Uh, it I'm is not, pathetic. Because you're an insurance, right? That's right. So I work with an insurance group over here. And it's true story. Still working with them. And the president of that company met with me. 
And I'll give you, so I never answer a question until I know why it's been asked. And it's also a way to offset objections before they can come. So I'm in the meeting with the president of this company. And he looks at me, he goes, Benjamin, have you ever worked with an insurance company before? Now, out of this, the answer is no, I'd never had. So I go back and I go, what do you mean? See, I know what he means, but I want him to explain what he means. Because I know that first question's not the real question. That's a smokescreen. Because he's sure. lying to me. So I said, so what do you mean? And he goes, well, what I mean is uh, insurance is a very niche sector, heavily regulated. I'm not sure that someone who hasn't got experience in our sector could help us. That's what he meant to say the first time. He just didn't want to say it. Mm -hmm. And so I go, I go, well, that's fair. I'd probably think the same thing if I were you. So, so can I ask one more question then? Are you telling me that if I have no insurance experience, even if you believe what I could do could fix your problem, you can't work with me. Now he backtracked. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say that. <laughs> and then I go, well, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, obviously, <laughs> if I believe what you do could help us, then that wouldn't be an issue." I said, "Okay, well, okay, well, cards on the table." I said, "I've never worked with an insurance company before. Is that going to be a problem?" There's no, as I just said, <laughs> almost as if. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Yes. He buys off me at the end of this meeting. First day of trading, I showed him that conversation and how it worked. And he just yells out from the back, you bastard. <laughs> you bastard. And, he, and, he, and he was like, "It's the, he goes, why did I not see that when it happened? And I go, because this is a golden rule. Every human being has been programmed from the moment they were born to answer a question. And they do it automatically. Because I know that and have learned to stop myself answering a question, it means anybody I get in front of, They'll answer mine. So I've got a badge that I walk around with when I go to big events, and it says, I'm doing it to you now. And people come gotcha. up and they go, what does the badge mean? I go, what badge? First question. And then they go, the badge on your braces. I go, oh, oh, so I, you know, I forgot I had that. I go, what do you think it means? Second question. Uh, I, I don't know. What, 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 what do you think a salesman should be doing consistently and habitually in a sales meeting, do you think? That's the third question. They always give me some cock and bull, like closing. I go, that's a good answer, but not the one I'm looking for. What else could it be? Four questions. Then they go, um, oh, I, I don't know. I go, so well, what have I been doing to you since you walked up to me? Five questions. <laughs> and they still don't get it. <laughs> and it's a bit of, it's written right here. So this is the beauty of what I do. So it doesn't matter what situation I'm in. No matter what question's thrown at me, I flick it back and the other person deals it. Benjamin, why are you so expensive? Can you think of any reason why I can charge what I do? Uh, no. Well, think. Why do you think all my customers know they could get training cheaper, but they still come back to me? Now, whatever they say now is the right answer. They go, well, probably because you get better results. I go, that's it. See, he can't argue with it either because he said it. Wow, so much to oh, be. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Please, people, loyal listeners, especially if you're new to sales, back that up about three or four minutes and listen to that because there's so much to be said there. And once again, loyal listeners, I wish you could get the animation that I'm getting on this side. I mean, I'm crack. I I'm actually hitting mute a lot of my set, a lot of times. Oh, I'm cracking up if I had no new it. I just would have been here in a you know a custard stained singlet in my boxes. I dressed up. I combed my locks. Oh my god. <laughs> Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have in 30 days. That's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him, I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed, let's do it. And that's what we did. 
We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's virtualintell.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recruiting, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right, Virtual Intel, cast certified. You're coming back in December and we're going to do, we're going to do a Facebook live together, well, Benjamin. I hope you get back to, I was in America. I had a client in Florida and then COVID kicked in. So I, I came to America for three months in a row. Um, and we're at in Florida. Yeah. And I was going to be coming to Chicago, which is in Illinois, I believe. Isn't it? That's right. Yes. Um, that's right. All, COVID all blew up. Um, so maybe I'll get back, uh, hopefully, maybe in the next year, I'm guessing before all this rubbish is done with, but um, I'd like to do more in the States because, um, Americans, with the except, I'll give you this though. This one thing I'll give Americans: I think Americans respect salesmen more than most cultures. Really, uh, and I think because you're a country built on go, go get them, go west, make your own life. So selling is more noble. People aren't disgusted when they know you're in sales. See, in England, you don't admit you're in sales. So what do you do for a living? I'm a, I'm a business development executive. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think people try to shy away from sales and say, Hey, I'm a salesman for this. We try to create those terms, but I would say at the end of the day, we all know, um, even if we don't like salesmen, usually if that person's been doing sales for a while, we know that they're probably pretty successful. And we always say, Oh, they have the gift of the gab. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or those type of things. Cause yeah. that's really what a lot of salesmen probably the guys who are just <clears throat> churning and burning through insurance, you know, they, yeah, you can talk. Little... It's not hard to talk somebody into buying something. But there's a there's an adage, and I don't know who said it, but I've nicked it from somewhere. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And the guys that are very good at talking someone into buying something are often ones at the highest dropout rates. Because the person's mentally, when the adult and the parent goes through its process, it says, why would we buy that? And the little kid says, well, I got bullied into it. And the parent says, well, no, well, we're not doing it then. So... Yeah. Gotcha. Anyone mm, talk someone into buying something, that's not a skill. A skill when is somebody goes someone to surrender and discovering they need you and they had no idea they did. Say that last part again. So the, a, a good salesman. So I'm, I'm like an oncologist, a cancer specialist. I don't create cancer. I find it. And if you come to me and you say, there's nothing wrong with me, doc, I go, you're right, there probably isn't, but let's run some tests. And I do my diagnosis and my questions, and I discover you got a little bit of cancer. I didn't make it, but I'm, I allowed you to discover you have it. Now you're going to pay me anything to fix it, baby. Gotcha. We're in the same business. Yeah. My job is to discover pain. I don't create it. So if I talk someone into thinking they have cancer, and I go away and buy products, and then they realize, I don't have cancer. <laughs> Yeah, so simple. I love one of the things that you do that I think I do a lot um, is is you you try to use other reference, other industries, right? Other things, other that make us go, oh yeah, well that's the way that person would react, yeah. and it's like, yeah, that's the way you should act yeah. too. You know what I mean? So I, I wonder if they're ever like because that don't want to get paid. It's weird. <laughs> Are you allowed to say that? I don't know. You got more sense. No, you can say whatever you want. It's my podcast. You know, get out there. Yeah. Apple, Apple doesn't care. So, and then here's the, here's the, you know, it's 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 really interesting. Let me ask you this, yeah. uh, just uh, off the top of the top yeah. of the uh, wall here. I walk into a room. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm walking into a room, and there's some pretty successful people in here. Probably a lot of people that would yeah. purchase from me, my type of client, you know. And I need to find them in there, and it's you. And you walk into that room. Mm. What are you doing? Is there anything? How do you yeah. approach that? Do you go get a drink? Do you do you find the local group that's right, standing there talking? What, what I, does I, Benjamin I, do? I tell you what Benjamin does. Benjamin walks into a room full of successful people. First of all, he looks like a bit of an idiot on purpose. You see, the reason I dress like an idiot, not a complete idiot, it's respectable, but it's different. And the reason is, is you see, when people see somebody they don't think is quite top of their game, they start to lower their defense wall. And everything I do is designed to get people to lower the, I'm going to lie to you because you're a salesman. So I never take a pen to a meeting. I'm, I, and so I get in the meeting and I go, can I take notes? And they go, absolutely, sir. And then I'll just open my folder. I won't say anything. I'll start looking for a pen. 
You know, I'll be doing this with my hand. No, can I, no that's a good. Can I ask another question? And then I'll start doing this. Wow. And, like and, you're looking and for the pen. At some point, the CEO or the president goes, would you like to borrow a pen? And I'll go, I'm terribly embarrassed. I mean, I I, I was making notes in the car. I must have. I'm so sorry. No, no, don't, don't, don't apply. It's fine. It's fine. Now, he's rescuing me. And as he rescues me, his mum says to this guy, oh, you're a nice kid. I, I raised you well. Look at you helping out that poor, struggling little man. And so as he does it, he starts to feel better about himself. And as he feels better about himself, he starts thinking, this guy isn't a threat. What sort of idiot doesn't bring a pen to a meeting? This guy can't sell dick. So, wait on, someone's calling, get rid of that. And they loan me their pen. And what I'm doing is I'm psychologically manipulating. And then I go, that's a nice pen, because it's always a nice pen. Presidents always have nice pens. Go, Give him a stroke, that's a nice pen. Yeah. Now, he can't throw me out either. I got his pen. <laughs> I'll tell you what, this is the other thing. I, I, I after, I've, after I've won the business and I tell people I did the pen thing, they go, you did that on me. I go, I know. They go, but you look so embarrassed. <laughs> and his son of a I actually thought and it's so much fun he goes and I go I've got a pickup truck full of pens <laughs> nice ones nice ones nice ones nice ones they're nice from the CEOs. So here's what you did. I mean, Louis Listler's just break that down. He went in the way he looks, a redneck, looks like a Trump supporter. And then, it, and I'm, I'm, that's not for or against Trump supporters, you loyal listeners. You know that. I'm just telling you what he looks like. Go look at his YouTube channel. You'll see what I'm talking about. And so, so he, so you go in there to relieve that, right? Now I go to make this arm. So when somebody, you go, so you walk into this room, and the first thing everyone does is, what do you do? Now, I know mm -hmm. nobody cares. They have to ask that. Because it's the only polite way for them to talk about themselves without looking like a complete knob. So they have to ask you, what do you do? So they can talk about what they do. So I say, ah, you won't be interested. It's boring. What do you do? And then they just vomit on me. Then they start, right. and, then, and then I listen to them. And so they say, well, I, I'm, an, I'm an accountant with a firm down the road. I go, oh, that's got to be a nice, easy business to be in. Now, as soon as you do that, they say, well, it's not that easy. I go, why? You must have people queuing up to give you money. Oh, no. Why, why, why? What's so tough about it? And then they start to tell me all their sales problems. And then finally they twig. I haven't asked this. I don't know what he does. And I go, so what do you do, Benjamin? I go, well, you know, it's kind of funny because I typically work with accountants that are frustrated that they don't have people queuing up, <laughs> others that worry. And they say, hey, that sounds like me. I go. I think yes. this is it. You're laughing, and this is this is what I try to say. The hardest thing for me in a sales meeting is not laughing because I know what's happening. <laughs> and the guy opposite me has no idea what's going on. He thinks this who's this hairy weird guy who asks really good questions and I can't pinpoint where he's going or what he's doing. But he understands what he he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> It's all the psychology of it, man. It you have that down. It is, it is you fun. have that down. It's the most fun in the world. Um, Dude. Yeah. So my father-in-law, my father-in-law taught me insurance. He was, um, he didn't teach me insurance. He got me into insurance when I was 17, 18 years old. He would, when I was dating his daughter, like the first time I ever had dinner with him, he was like, son, let me tell you something. I'm getting ready to retire from insurance. It's been a great career for me. He's like, you need to be in insurance. And I was like, oh, really? Really? No big deal. And he told me, he said, it's not the sales game. It's not talking. It's not who you like. He said, Jason, there's a psychology. Mm -hmm. And what's amazing is you, it's kind of weird, look a little bit like him with his beard and stuff like that. And, and so it's really... And, and it's so weird because the way he would tell me about how he would sell, because at first I was selling windows, mm. okay? Because that's what he told me. He said, go get a sales job just so you see if you like it. And he would tell me like the things that were different than what my sales trainer was telling me. You know, he would, he would tell me these type of things yeah. like, yeah, don't go with a pin, you know, yeah. make sure you always have a pin, but act like you don't have a pin. Yeah. You're trying to disarm the person. Yeah. You want them to feel as if they're bigger than you. And then there's these other people who are like, you know, it was taught you go in there and you're the one that's in control of the conversation and the, and the meeting, and you've got to stay in control, you know, and all this. And I'm like, well, that works sometimes, but my father-in-law what he was telling me was really working. So it was a way that I always looked at sales from a different perspective, even when I was younger. And so those type of trainers to this day are the people that I use, similar to yours. Is because oh, once again, breaking the norms breaking of what norms. we're told. Everything I do breaks a pattern, and that's why it works. Because 
buyers expect you to act a certain way when you turn up. They expect you to show up, to throw up, and then go away and hope. That's what I call it. Show up, throw up, and hope. I, I don't do that. True. I, I, I don't do that. And what I know is every human being wants to be felt and understood. And in order for a human being to trust someone, they first have to feel comfortable with them. And the easiest mm -hmm. way for a human being to feel comfortable quickly is to find someone less better off than them. You see, that's why we love those, you know, America's Funniest Home videos of people getting kicked in the nuts. It's funny because it's not you. So when you see someone hurting and struggling, you feel good. The Typical, the Germans created a word to describe this. Schadenfreude. Yeah. Only Germans could create a word to describe that particular experience. But Schadenfreude. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's hilarious. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that, that's so good. Um, I was talking with a um, a guy. He is his name is Brian Ahern, uh, Ahern, and he is one of the twelve people. Robert uh, Chinaldi, um, which is a social scientist who yeah. believes in how. To, and he's one of the the most renowned in in the world. And and Brian is a student of his and teaches some of his courses. And some of the things that he had told me, like the things we don't realize that we have been taught. Mm at a young age that are yeah. still true to us today. Oh, yeah. Like whenever somebody would give you something as a little kid, the first thing your mom and dad would say to you is, what do you say to them? Which started the process of giving and receiving, right? Yeah. They yeah. give me something. Well, if someone does something for you and it, that's it. The people don't understand. Like that's not something you learned in high school. No, you, like, you, you learned that when you were like one, two, three years old. It, right? goes, it goes back to most grownups are scared to telephone prospect and, and they lie to you in the interview. They say they don't have a problem with it. And when they pick up the phone, if you listen to them, they sound like a scared little kid. But yeah. before that, they procrastinated for a half an hour. And the reason is, is what's the first rule you were taught as a kid? Never talk to strangers. No one told you that doesn't apply as a grown up. So it's there. The other thing you were taught is it's rude to what? Interrupt. Interrupt. Right. So don't interrupt, especially busy people. And then on top of that, you were taught if you ever asked a question, especially by anyone in authority or older or better, you'd better well answer. And not just yeah. give an answer. Try to give the right answer. So all that programming. So you got this. Do you know what the average salesman's thinking when they're when the phone's dialing to their prospect? You know what's going through? What? What? Please don't answer. Please don't answer. Please don't answer. <laughs> That's what they're thinking, yeah? That's what they're thinking because their mum's saying, I raised you better than this. I bet he's busy. <laughs> I bet he's busy. Oh, he's going to ask some horrible questions. He's a stranger. And you're, you're sitting there and you go, please don't answer, please. And then they answer. You go, ah, 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 ah. I'm so sorry to bother you. Uh, it, it's, it's Brian down at ABC Insurance. How are you today, sir? <laughs> And Brian goes, oh, yeah, I'm fine. What, what are you selling? Oh, I'm not trying to sell anything, sir. I just want to touch base to see how you're doing. And it's like, do I know you? Why are you? It's just, it's just do, you know how, do, you know how, do you know how silly this is, Benjamin, besides the fact that we just know it's silly? In the insurance world, I have, in, I have insurance agency owners that will push back on me and go, oh, it has nothing to do with us interrupting them. We don't mind interrupting them. And I'll say to them, I'll be like, oh, really? Okay. Hey, do you have any customers in your business that you write their auto insurance but not their home? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Go find somebody that you write their auto but not their home. Pick up, have your salesperson pick up the phone and cross sell the home, and they'll go. And I'm like, this person's already doing business with you. They're already buying things from you. They already get calls from you, and you still won't pick up the phone to try and cross sell them by saving them money because they save twenty percent when they have them together. That just proves that we have something deep inside of us oh, yeah. that will not let us just try to get out and of that. And I think that that's the difference between those who make and who don't, right? And it's the desire to impress and do stuff for free. So my insurance client, when I first signed him up, I said, if we do this, you are going to have to start charging for the quotes and reviews. I said, you can't do quotes or reviews for free. They said, you can't do that, Benjamin. No one charges. I said, I know. But I'm going to show you how to do it. They're selling them now. The first person to sell one was the managing director, the guy that owns the company. He got 500 pounds for a quote. And he was, why have we not done this before? I, I'll tell you why. You're a chicken shit to ask. <laughs> and so insurance people, if you're listening to this, if you're running around meeting people, giving them quotes and rate cards and all that, you're an idiot. <laughs> the most hated salesman in the world. <laughs>
Because there's a lot of people going, this guy's an idiot. Like, oh, whatever. I, 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 I make enough money from enough people. <laughs> I, you know, I calculated there's about, uh, there's about a million businesses in the UK, which means I can successfully piss off 995,000 presidents. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll still make money to the day I die. And you know what? I can't get through 999,000 people. So, no, this is the other thing sales we've got to get out. They think they're special. They think that there's something. You... No, just pick up the phone, get in front of someone. Do you have a problem yet? Do you recognize it's a problem yet? Do you want to fix it? Yes. Can you afford the solution if you see it? Yes. I'm going to show you the solution. If you like it, will you buy it? Yeah. Fine. But they can't do that because the buyer says, well, I'm going to tell you anything until I see what you got. Oh, I'll show you. What did mum teach you to do with your toys as a kid? Share, Share them. Another rule. You see, this is why whenever I give speeches, it's always it's your mother's fault you can't sell. So if I'm going to tell you this. What would happen, Benjamin, if we took a kid and we took them away from their mother and father and somehow raised them <laughs> away from like, you know what I mean? And then brought them into the world at like the age of 25 yeah. and then made them a salesperson. I, I bet you they'd be vicious. Wouldn't they? Well, I, they wouldn't I, care about it I am interrupting or anything. I'm doing that right now. My seven-year-old daughter asked better questions than a 30-year-old salesman. And she goes, oh, wow. she doesn't even answer questions. It's quite frustrating now. I've created a monster. <laughs> and I'll say to her, how was your day at school? And she goes, what do you think? <sighs> or why did you ask me that? Or oh, she's also learned, because one of the things I teach people is the art of going deaf. So if somebody says something that I know hurts them in their world, I deliberately go deaf. I go, so can I ask you a question? How much do you think that's cost you? And they go, about 50,000 pounds. I go, sorry, I missed that. And I go, 50,000 pounds. Yeah, they say it twice. And then the third time I go, no, I think you misunderstood my question. How much does that cost you? Now, the third time they scream it at you. See, now he's feeling the pain. Yeah. Are you serious? You really, do th you really do that? Yeah. So, <laughs> you do you know how many times you can say sorry to someone in a meeting and they repeat themselves? And so my little girl does it. I asked her the other day. I said something. She goes, pardon? And I started to answer. I go, son of a bitch. She got gotcha. Damn. See, a six-year-old can learn this stuff. Wow. I bet you are, you are. Uh, you know. Uh, it's a social experiment. I don't know what's happened when she's a teenager. I'm screwed probably. But. You know, and, and I'll tell you this, it, it, our society, and maybe it, probably there too, but we, I have noticed that there's two types of people. They either will play along with that because they don't realize that the, all the questions are being asked, or there's those people who are like, "Why do you keep? Why don't you just answer my damn question? Why? Why are you? Ah. Why do you keep asking me questions?" And you get those people, and usually those are people who are kind of understand what's going on. Well, what you got to do is with everything I teach because we're we're sort of juxtaposing all over the show. Yeah, so we are. I yeah, make we are. it quite clear. At the beginning of any sales meeting, I say, look, I'm going to be upfront with you. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I don't say some. I don't say a few. I don't say a couple. A lot is not subjective. And I'm gotcha. they're going to be tough. They're going to be challenging and on occasion uncomfortable, but you don't have to answer. But based on your answers, I'll know if I can help. I go, is it okay if I ask those types of questions? Everybody says, well, yeah, ask yes. whatever you want. Now, I can ask as many. If somebody stops me and says, Benjamin... You're asking a lot of questions. Like, do you remember at the beginning when we agreed I could? They go, well, yeah. I go, well, two choices now. I can either do my job or I, I don't mind leaving. So logical. It is. So so common sense. Just, just like, let's take the emotion out of this. Let's have a conversation. I don't care what someone thinks of me. Why do I give a toss what a stranger is going to think of me? And this is what salespeople are obsessed by. What if they think I'm dumb? What if I look stupid? What if I look Oh my God. Who cares? Oh my God. I would say it's my number one trait. I would say this is what makes me successful of anything is that I don't truly give a shit. I, I really, and, and I do care because like I've already done my research. I know that they have an issue that I can fix that I've studied my whole life to fix. Right. Mm. And so it's like, I do care, but like, I don't care the way that you think of me. If you're going to yeah. tell me no, you and know what I mean? So that we're both human beings. I like to be liked, but I don't try to be liked. There's a difference. So someone liking me is fine, but me trying to be liked is the wrong behavior. Oh, good. I like the that. Difference. And this is what sells out. People tend to like me 
but I don't go out of my way to be liked. It just happens because they like me because I'm upfront, I'm direct, I'm sincere, I'm blunt. I, they say authentic, whatever the hell that means. But I, I just do what I say. I do. And, and, and Benji, even though they say, I, I don't like his style, but I quite like him. And that's yeah, what I've heard say that. about their lawyer. I don't like my lawyer, but he's really, really good at what he does. And he, he's kind of likable in a weird way. And it's like, that's where I want to be. But but trust me, True. he doesn't care if you don't like him. And it, yeah, and then everyone says, oh, I don't care if the law, if I don't like the law. I just want him to do a good job. Yeah. So difference between being liked and trying to be liked. Benjamin, this has been absolutely fantastic. As I wrap this up and close this up, you're going to come back in December. All you loyal listeners, you're probably not hearing this until right, right around. It's probably around Thanksgiving right now. We're about two to three weeks out. Hey. So you're probably already getting some advertising. I'm going to bring you back. Um, we're going to do us a Facebook Live. I'm going to bring on a couple other guys as well who are some high-powered uh, kind of sales. These aren't sales trainers. These are actual insurance agents who <laughs> are, you know, Average insurance agent out there has a book of business. Let's say, like me, like me personally, my personal book is probably around three hundred seventy-five thousand in revenue. Not my agency, wow. but me. But we'll bring in, well, we'll bring in guys that have million, three million dollar revenue books just themselves, not their agency. And and I think that I hang out with a lot of those people. And man, I mean, I wish they were in this conversation that we're having right now, Benjamin, because they would they would just be like, we would all be giving each other high fives. Um, that, those are long arms across the pond. Hey, Benjamin, I do. Let, wrapping this up, yeah. wrapping this up before we talk again. Leaders are readers, and readers are leaders, oh. and you're a leader, so I definitely know you're a reader. What are you reading right now? <laughs> nothing you don't read anything no, no, I, occasionally i'm not a i'm i know that's okay well, i don't consider myself a leader which is interesting oh that's uh, why you're not a reader yeah no, no i yeah no i don't and uh, one of the reasons why i've i've never called myself a, an expert or a leader or number one is because if you have to say that then it's probably not true uh so um i don't read a huge amount and the reason why, and I'll tell you why, is the problem with salesmen is they love reading about sales. They just never do anything in the books. Mm -hmm. so my advice would be pick one sales book and just do everything it says over and over again really well. And it doesn't matter what the system is, you'll be successful. Now, some are better than others. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to mm -hmm. recommend one. But that's what I wish people would do. But if I would suggest books to read, and in fact, I've recommended this to a recent client and I can't get a copy of it. It's like 500 quid. It's a book called How to Run Your Own Life. And if you're going to read any books, read books on how to understand why you think, feel and do what you do. That's far better for being a salesman than learning loads of techniques. If you understand why you do what you do and why you act as you act, then you'll be a lot more powerful. So read books on what to say to yourself when you're talking to yourself. It's a good book. How to Run Your Own Life. Um, and there's another book by a psychiatrist called Just Listen by Mark, Dr. Mark Goldstein. Those are the types of books I recommend salespeople read. Yeah. Don't read about the I, diet plan. Read about the <laughs> mindset to make the diet work. And that's what I wanted to know. And, you know, there's, I think, one of the posts you did like in the last, um, I think I, damn, like last two or three weeks was, <laughs> I, I, it was, don't, don't read a bunch of books, just read one read book one, and do I'm everything. Good at it. I remember that now. I just remembered that. That's what I remember that post you did. You see all these people on LinkedIn and they're showing off. This is what I'm reading now. This is what I'm reading. So, that's great. Did you actually do anything in the books? Yeah. I'd rather have one book on my shelf so thumbed through and annotated as I know it backwards inside. I do everything. Guess what? It makes me money. Yeah. But what about the other books? Well, that one works. I do, man. I, I, I'm, I'm not a big guy. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's really good, All Benjamin. Right, yeah. Benjamin, I just want to, I just really want to thank you again, Brent, Benjamin Dennehy, the UK's most hated sales trainer. Um, and then, what? Uh, uh, you're an author of what? Selling the colon? Ah, no, no. People keep saying to me, "When are you going to write a book?" And I say, "What's the point? It's already been written." So I, I, I saw someone had written a book. <laughs> uh, and it had this name that made, I just didn't like the name. It just made me feel a bit queasy because it's so soft and mushy. So I just thought I'm going to nick it and change it. So I put, so I, instead of selling from the heart, I put selling from the colon while you're probably crap. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know people have been saying I can't find your book on Amazon. So I haven't written one. I just thought I'd stick it up there. <laughs> oh my God, Benjamin. This is the beginning of a wonderful relationship, buddy. You need any help from anybody in America, you let me know. And in the meantime, sit tight and uh, I'm going to reach back out to you. We're going to do this again. This has been fantastic. Not only are you just a great person to be around and just fun and engaging, but you dropped so many golden nuggets in this. (laughs) It's been a while since I've done a podcast where usually it's all nuggets. Like, you know, we're down in the deep in the dirt or way up here in the clouds. But we went all over the place today and this was very, very enjoyable. And I thank you. Hell, it's been over an hour. I just oh, yeah, it count. is cool about four here. Yeah, so, I'm fine. It's my weekend can start finally. It's it's what time is it there? Four? Quarter past four in the afternoon, yeah, on Friday. No, okay, yeah, and it's ten sixteen. Yeah, it's quarter after it's ten right, in the morning here. So last wrapping it up, and we're gonna go down of here, loyal listeners. Uh how what overall, if they took a poll of Europe or of England. Yeah. Do they want Trump to win or do they want Biden to win? And this is funny because this is going to play after the election. So the the loyal listeners are listening to this after the election. I think you'll find England is a lot like Britain and Brexit divided the country and you're for or against. It's very, very passionate on both sides. Right now, I think you'll find Brexiteers would prefer Trump because Trump has a far better attitude towards Britain and Brexit. Biden wouldn't be so good for us. So from selfish nationalistic interests, Trump would be best. I was at a meeting yesterday with about 12 CEOs. I go to a local peer board group and the consensus across the board was Trump's going to win. Um, just like with Brexit, we think all the polling's off. A lot of people uh, not, won't admit they're going to vote Trump or when they get in the polling booth, there's no one around. It's like, yeah, you know, sod everyone. I'm ticking Trump, you know. So it's very true. I think that will happen. Um, I think he's the stronger of the candidates too. And ultimately, it's coming down to the economy. One guy wants to close it. The other guy wants to get it moving. And at the end of the day, you got to get the economy moving. So if you don't vote for Trump, and Biden is president as you're listening to this. Well, you've only got yourself to blame. <laughs> he can say that, I right? Can. The oh, people say, oh, no, he's from England. He can't say that. No, actually, he's from England. He can say that because really you don't have a dog in the fight. It helped. Fight, but I, yeah. but I right. like Trump because he gave me the hat. I'd nick everything, you see. And I saw that hat and I thought, I'm nicking that. <laughs> Make salesman great yeah. again. Red hat, folks. You ought to see it. <laughs> Anyways. Benjamin, I appreciate you very much. I really, really, truly do. You tell, uh, I'm just, uh, I don't think England realizes the great sales trainer that they have, but they probably do. And that's why they're the most hated (laughs) because they know you're really, really good. So thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Benjamin. I appreciate it. it. Talk to each other. Hey, everybody, loyal listeners. I hope I do. You understand that I do what I do because I do it for you. Bringing people like Benjamin on, I want to help you get better, but also in a really fun way. How fun was that? Loyal listeners, I do do what I do and I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Cass. He's Dennehy. We're out.